Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. It's bonus time. That's right. Not only is this episode 81 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, but this is a very special bonus episode with multimedia storyteller Joseph Van Buren. Maybe you're wondering, what is a multimedia storyteller? You're going to find out. This was one of those episodes that was built as a bonus, because you are getting something very special. And normally when I do these, when I've done these bonus episodes in the past, I did them on a Thursday, but I tell you what, Joseph has put together, I think is just fitting for a Friday, you know, something to take you into the weekend because, man, this is, it's just such a great episode. Now, I call Joseph JVB a lot during the interview, and it's because we're both fans of the Mondo Method podcast. You've heard me talk about it before. Armand Rosamelia and Chuck Buddha have both been guests on the show, and they were even together on the show once with one of their books that they wrote together. And Joseph and I both have been longtime fans of their show. Uh, Joseph also writes in periodically, uh, like I do, so I get to hear his name, but usually they call him JVB. They've come to know him you know, well. I've fallen into that as well of calling him JVB, so that's what you're going to hear from, from him as we get going. Naturally, in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the Mondo Method. We talk about that show. We talk about setting goals, the water and oil of horror poetry, and, and something that makes this very, very special is that he makes individual soundtracks for each of his books. And puts those out there so that if you pick up a book and then you grab this soundtrack, you can listen to it as you're reading. They have this feel to it. And what's very special is he actually created a soundtrack just for this episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. I didn't even get to hear it until just recently when I, I was getting ready to start putting this show together. He sent it to me. So at the time that we was recording... You hear me talk about like, oh, it's a surprise, it's a surprise. Because it was. It was a surprise for me. It's going to be a surprise for you. And, oh my gosh, it blew me away. I I just listened to it for maybe the fifth or sixth time again. And, I mean, still, goosebumps. It's an amazing episode. His reading is, is going to blow you away. And I think people are going to really love this episode. They're going to download it and listen to it over and over many times, just like I have. Before we get over to that interview, I do want to thank, as always, my very special sponsors, U-Store-All at Ornsburg, Missouri. If you are in need of self-storage and you want to put something in the safest, most secure, and cleanest place that you can find around Ornsburg, look no further than U-Store-All. They have both climate control and non-climate control, fully fenced-in facilities, LED lighting, the place looks like a football field at night. I mean, it's all lit up. 70 cameras recording everything that goes on around both facilities. And I mean, the place is clean. You wouldn't believe how nice and neat it is. Check them out online. Go to ustorall.net for more information. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. Of course, I also want to thank my favorite writing software Scrivener. Scrivener has everything you need. You know, you can have your notes in there, your character notes, 
You know, you're going through there and you're trying to remember, oh, what was that guy's name I said in chapter one? Boom, it's right there. And speaking of that, one of my favorite things is I'm no longer scrolling through trying to figure out, oh, where is that chapter? All the chapters are listed on the side. So now if you ever need to find something in one chapter or another, just flip right to it. There's no scrolling and searching. And let's say as you go, you decide, you know what, that chapter doesn't work there anymore. Oh, man, I, I've got a copy and cut and paste over here so that I can move around. No. Scrivener has a very special thing called corkboard. All the chapters come up on little file cards. You just move the file card over where you want it. It's so easy. It's so wonderful. Highly, highly, highly recommend you go check them out. I've got a link in the show notes, so don't forget to do that. And don't forget, if you decide you're going to buy it, enter code CHAPTER and save yourself 20%. You'll hear more about that here in just a moment with a commercial from Scrivener. Of course, I also want to thank my friends over at Pop Goes the Culture Network. They share this show as well as about a dozen other podcasts ranging from movies to pop culture to geek stuff to, uh, oh my gosh, just so many different ones. It's, it's, I, can't even, I can't even keep track of all the different shows they have on there, but it's really, really cool stuff. I've got about three or four of them that I listen to on a regular basis. Click on the show notes. Get yourself on over to popgoestheculture.com to find out more. And you know what? I think I'm even going to include a link to the Mondo Method podcast because JVB and I are fans of it. I think you ought to check it out as well. So check that out in the show notes. Armand and Chuck, I may not be in your network, but hey, it's a great show. Like I said, you know, I've already talked about the interview with Joseph, so I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get us right on over to that interview and his incredible reading. That's coming up right after a word from our sponsor. I'm telling you, Goosebumps. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here at the Sample Chapter Podcast. We are back with multimedia storyteller and poet, a new friend of mine, and a longtime fellow fan of the Mondo Method Podcast, just like myself. I'm talking about JVB. Joseph Van Buren. Joseph, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. I, it's nice to have a face to put it to, even though I know like my face isn't up there, but you know what I look like. So that's Yeah, you, you, you look like a bunch of words. <laughs> After podcast, I see you. <laughs> Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, man. Oh, man. Well, yeah, um... Yeah, I'd like to call myself a multimedia storyteller. I've been a music artist for about 20 years. I dabbled in writing here and there, but 
I didn't really start taking it too seriously and trying to get published until recently. I graduated from college at 40 last year and decided, hey, I'm going to try to get into publishing while I was doing that. And uh, basically, it's because I'm getting old and, you know, jumping around on stage and doing all that and doing shows and staying up late, getting too much for me. So I'm reining it in and I'm putting out poetry and I'm going to be moving into fiction and all of it as a soundtrack. And that's about what I do. <laughs> you know, what I love about this and, and love about your story is that you're not you're not letting life hold you back. You know, you're not going like, oh, I'm too old to do this. I'm too old to go back to school. No, you're, you're going out there and doing it. And, and I love that, man. Now, does that, was that hard for you? You know, was it hard to find that courage to, to do that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really hard. Like, I wanted to go back to school for a long time, but I, the, I was living pretty much like a nomad when I was doing music. I was literally couch surfing. I went, I'm, I'm from New York. I took an Amtrak to California. I was all over the place just trying to find, you know, where I belong and all that. You know, making cool music along the way, but just really being a broken mess. And in the back of my mind the whole time, I was like, I should just go back to school. That That's just kind of the, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd deep down, but I wanted to be a party animal for a while. So, <laughs> you know, I kind of, I lived that life until it wasn't really sustainable anymore. Um, I actually had a, bad DUI that kind of brought light to my eyes, you know, and set me on a straight path. And also uh, meeting who's now my wife, Renee, she really helped me straighten up and go back to school. And um, so now, you know, now I'm on, trying to be on more of a quiet, settled path. <laughs> to, and, uh, and, you know, writing goes along with that. Because it's you know it's more of a solitary thing and it's, it's to me it's more of a meditative thing and and at this point I figure if I can get a bachelor's degree at 40 years old then I can pretty much do anything and so can anyone else like from, from all that stuff I went through to do that so now now I'm trying to put work out there if for no other reason just to show people exactly like kind of what you said it's not too late whatever you might feel old you might feel like you went through a lot just take little steps. And do it exactly exactly yeah i mean you know and long-time listeners are you know the, it's no secret that for me like i had wanted to write most of my adult life i mean going back to when i was younger but i just never made the time made that conscious effort to okay this is it until i found out i was going to be a grandpa the first time and then that was like my wake-up call and my yeah. wife was always supporting me she was always like yeah no you can do it you can do it. Go try it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I got, you know, Red Dead over here. I got another level I could beat, you know, and that's really great too, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Fi finding out I was going to be a grandpa was like that, like, oh man, yeah, I don't think my kids, and I don't think my grandkids are going to really appreciate that grandpa beat, you know, level whatever on this game, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if they can yeah. see a library of books one day, you know, then maybe that'll be something that, uh, you know, leaving my little legacy behind for him, that'd be a good thing. Yeah, no doubt. Probably better than Here Lies Grandpa he owned in Halo. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you had uh, you had a few fiction books. I know that uh, you, you did those up, and then since then you've taken them down again. 
But I do know, uh, since we're both fans of the Monomath, that I know you've been writing some more fiction again lately. How's that going for you? Yeah, um, it's slowly but surely. Um, I feel like, see, when, yeah, and you talk about the Monomethod, so we do the goals, right? You know, and they set their goals and then they tell us all to do it. So at the beginning of the year, I, my goal was, you know, because last year I mostly focused on poetry. That's mostly, since I've gotten back into publishing, that's mostly what I've been focusing on. And um, I have my mask trilogy out, and that's all poetry. And I was like, cool. I was like, now I'm going to transition into fiction. So that was kind of what I wanted to work on this year. And it didn't exactly go that way. I mean, I have. I've been working on it, but I haven't put anything out. Um, I accidentally joined, and I say that in quotes, accidentally joined a contest to write a poem a day in April for National Poetry Month. So I focused on that, and I got a whole other chat book out of that that is yet to be released <laughs> so you know like that's kind of what we, we were talking about earlier before you know like you set goals and then sometimes you do other stuff that's just as good just not what you yeah. thought you were going to do you know <laughs> that's kind of how i my fiction but i am i do have probably two-thirds of a fiction collection finished which is mostly retellings of fairy tales and folklore and urban legends and kind of my own dark weird style Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, and I mean, and like here on the website, I see you're even a award winner in a writing competition last year, 2018 Writer's Digest. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. Um, that was, yeah, I got a, I got, it actually was an honorable mention. I have to, I have to be totally honest. But when they sent the things, they were like, you're a winner, you're a winner. And I was like, I'll take it. So <laughs> it looks good. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, I've been, yeah, that, that was kind of, I looked into those areas, you know, and I was trying to find contests, you know, I'm trying to build up my platform at first. I was like, what, what will make it? Cause poetry is really tough. A lot of people just don't read it or they're just not familiar with it. A lot of people have preconceived notions about what poetry is and that it's either it's too complicated or it's too, you know, pretentious or whatever, you know, and I kind of mix horror with poetry and they, it almost seems like water and oil sometimes, but, but really it's not, you know, there's a lot of horror poetry out there. There's a lot of dark stuff that's in that realm. And so I figured if I got the horror writers and the writers digest right next to each other, man, it gives me a little credibility, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome though. I mean, man, that, that's a big, uh, still a big achievement. I mean, it doesn't matter if they were having that little, you know, Oprah moment where they were throwing them all out there. That's fine. You know, I'll take one. Exactly. Oprah, yeah, exactly. Oprah was to throw and, me You know, like, <laughs> it's like, you know, in things like that, like huge contests like Writer's Digest where, you know, yeah. everyone and their asshole uncle is probably putting a poem in there. So I was like, yeah, like, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that they picked anything that was weird or dark, you know, anything that was kind of out there. That's a win for all of us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's nice to see them reaching out there and trying something different because this is this is what I was like really excited about when you reached out to me. I was like, oh my god, yes, I want, I, I definitely want to talk to you because the the horror poet. I mean, this is like really really interesting to me. I and you said you know there's lots of it out there, but this was a first for me. I, I wasn't aware of it. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, actually, I'll even put an extra layer on it and, and tell you that I'm kind of a horror hip-hop poet <laughs> because oh, right. a lot of the – I mean, I do soundtrack music, but 
I've also done underground hip hop for a long time. So I bring that, I bring certain parts, certain elements of hip hop into it as well. To me, it's very, uh, it sounds kind of like a weird mix probably to a lot of people, but to me, things like horror hip hop and heavy metal, they all kind of have that, um, that stigma to them, you know, when you hear about them. And when you're growing up and you're into that stuff and parents are like, don't listen to that, don't watch that, you know, whatever, it's too wild out there. But to me, all of those, those three things speak, they, they speak for marginalized people. They speak for people who feel like they're outcasts or misunderstood in some way and they need a voice to get out there. And that's, to, when I was growing up, when I was dealing with poverty and abuse and a lot of issues, I confided in a horror movie or a rap song, or a metal song. Those were the things that got me out of my darkest moments. So now I kind of, I incorporate all that into my poetry because to me, the, it's all reflections of what we fear, how we, the, the darkness we grew up in and coming out of that, you know? To me, it's all very positive in the end, but so it's it's like a mixed genre that, that really works to me. Like it really, mm. they all reflect each other. Wow. It's really fascinating, man. Yeah, and I, you know, I can totally, I can totally see like where you're coming from with that. I can, I can see how that works really well. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't at all. But I try not to, I try not to publish those ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> can't win them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've already got the the three books out in the mask series with the with the poets. Are each one of these? Uh, Along those same lines, that they have like the horror poetry within them. Um, yeah, I try. I tried to do kind of one of each, but they definitely all borrow from each other. So Shadow is definitely more horror and dark poetry. Persona is more uh, of the hip hop and kind of revolutionary, like you know, fuck the system kind of thing. Hmm. And then Self is more of my personal from my, my actual childhood and my, so, so that's more, I guess, of a general poem, poetry kind of thing, but they definitely all influence each other, you know, because that's, that's how life is, you know, no, right. nothing one-sided, nothing black and white. To me, it's all shades of gray. So even though shadow's black and persona's white and self is gray, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, it's all, to me, it's all symbolic of everything being shades of gray. Oh, wow. Okay. And like you were telling me before that you, you like to come up with your own personalized soundtrack. Um, and, and not in the way that like somebody might think like, Oh yeah, I'm going to find this song and this song. You make your own music for, yeah. for each book. Yep. Oh my gosh. Tell me about this. Well, yeah. I mean, when I was, when I was first um, coming up with the idea of this trilogy and you know, I was really on the fence, which I have been a lot in my life. I'm like, do I stick with music? Do I do I just go with poetry and forego music? You know, and I didn't want to do that. Like I said before, I wanted to kind of get out of the live scene and all that. But I wanted, you know, I wanted, and also, you know, there's just not enough hours in a day to do all the crazy ideas in your mind all the time. So I was like, <laughs> okay, let's put it all together. You know, and it took a lot of brainstorming, but I finally took, this um, large mythos I've been creating since I was a teenager, actually, based off of a tabletop role-playing game I made long ago, <laughs> is what where these characters come from originally. And then I made the masks. The masks are, I've actually worn on stage as different stage personas. 
So I took all of that and made them instead as fictional characters in the storyline, made poems out of it, and then made the soundtrack to it so that, you know, I'm hoping each component stands on its own. Like you can listen to one of the albums or you can read one of the books, but also I hope people realize, oh shit, like you put this all together and it's, it's, it's like, it's, they're really, each thing is an ingredient in this bigger recipe. Right, right. So is this something that, like, people should maybe listen to this while they're going through your book? That That's my idea, yeah. I mean, I hope people do that. I don't know. I'm kind of weird and nerdy like that. Like, I have specific playlists on Spotify for writing certain things, you know, and I I often, like, if I have to work on a certain kind of thing, I'm like, oh, I need classical music for this, you know? <laughs> right, right. I do that. I don't know if, if a lot of people do that. But my it is my hope that someone will take the soundtrack to that book and play it in the background while they read it. Obviously, everyone reads at different speeds, so they're not going to match up exactly with the song titles. But I hope that I, when I wrote, like when I did the Shadow soundtrack, for example, I list I read over my own poem a hundred times and then listened to the rhythms and the mood that came out of those words and tried to transcribe that into music and sound, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that it's a perfect fit if people listen to it while they read it. You know, and, and this is pretty cutting edge. I've just been hearing about this, you know, just little bits here and there from other places over the last year where there's, I think there's there's somebody out there creating soundtracks for different books and it's it's a very indie thing. So, you know, you're, and you fall within that realm. So this is, uh, it's a really cool thing because, you know, I mean, as writers, yeah, a lot of us, we, we like to write to music. And it's like you said, we'll pull up a classical or something else. I like the uh, Conan the Barbarian soundtrack is what I liked with my first book. And <laughs> yeah, I got to get those drums in there, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the music brings out that creativity. And I can see that being just one more layer of opening yourself up to the experience that is reading a book you know, like this, a beautiful book of poetry that it might not be the kind of poetry some people think of, but it's still beautiful in that you're exposing yourself through those words. And it's a a peak within there. And it's not just the words, but it's also the music that you created to go along with it. And this, this sounds amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, I hope like, you know, like, especially, like I said before, at this advanced age, when I was like, I'm going to, you know, thinking about jumping into it, it's like, how, how can I stand out? You know what I mean? Like there is some conscious thought into it. Like, I don't want to just be a music artist. I don't want to just be a poet or an author. You know, I think by putting it together, that's the best chance I have of having something that's totally unique. You know, hopefully, you know, kind of what you said before, like an experience, not just, I read this book and it was great. I listened to this album, it was great, but put it all together and I hope it brings a full experience. And if I was better at video editing and graphics and stuff, I'd be adding that too. <laughs> yeah. I always make a promo video with everything I come out with, but my, you know, that, that's one area where, you know, one day hopefully I can hire some help or <laughs> work with someone. But I, I do want to expand into that, you know. Like I said, I, I used to make, I used to do a lot of RPG games. Honestly, playing Dungeons and Dragons is probably one of the things that inspired me to be a writer in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, become a storyteller. So, and I, I kind of still, I haven't played in ages, but I still kind of take a dungeon master approach to world building when it comes to, you know, writing fiction and poetry. 
And I hope to be able to expand that in the future. You know, I want to, I mean, if I could make a masks video game, that'd be the shit. Like, oh, <laughs> just, wow. Yeah. But everything, you know, that, that'd just be everything. You got the words, the look, the, the voices and the music. And that just, that'd probably be like bucket list thing right there. If I had one, that'd be on the top. <laughs> So you've got the music to go along with it, and then uh, you know the the poetry, and then you said there's this gonna be a three book series. So you got those three are done up. Now how how do you find the uh, the inspiration? Like do you like how do you go about looking within yourself to write a poem that well, well like here with book three where you're looking within yourself like this is and and for everybody's uh, so everybody knows book three mask uh, self. This is the one we're going to be hearing from today, and it's going to be, oh my gosh, y'all, to stay tuned, you're in for a treat, because I'm not going to tell you right now, but stay tuned, this is going to be really cool. Uh, so, But yeah, looking within yourself like this, to come up with a poem, what kind of experiences uh, do you relate to that that you're finding words to express it? Well, it, it depends a lot, of, like for this book in particular, a lot of it was just me it's really just little scenes of my life. And I, I kind of put it in somewhat chronological order. And, and then every once in a while, there's just a random, like kind of an observed, you know, observing life in society, whatever. But a lot of it is like me, like looking back, like I have one, which will be part of the reading called fish out of water. And it's, it's a memory from when I was, I don't know, seven or eight, and it seems like a very, you know, subtle, like nondescript scene, if you think about it. But I, 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 I in the poetry, I kind of explain why it was so profound to me, this moment, you know, and what was going on in my head and how twisted it is <laughs> looking back on it, you know. <laughs> but like, you know, like I said before, I grew up in a lot of poor conditions, you know, I, you know, in I survived that, you know, and I, so I feel like it's my obligation to tell that. And so a, a lot of times in Mask Self, it's that. It's me looking at these little slices of things that I got through and, you know, hopefully shining a little light on how I did it, if I even understand it myself. It, it's a lot of just self-exploration. You know, sometimes poetry, you don't know what the hell you're going to say. You just, you know, you get, sometimes you just get an idea, an image, and you just start writing, <laughs> and then you revise it until it becomes something and if it doesn't become something whatever you know put it to the side <laughs> but sometimes you realize in the process or i should say i guess i speak for myself i realize when i'm writing a poem one image could actually halfway through it i realize oh this is what i'm actually trying to say mm. and this is what it could say to somebody else you know what i mean because those are really two different things and writers know that and sometimes other people may not know that Writing for yourself, you know, sometimes we write for therapy, we write just to get the stuff out of our head, whatever. But then thinking about how it's going to be to readers, you know, how other people are going to take it, what, that that's a, kind of a separate thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Man. So, so you know, when I, when I first wrote all these poems or whatever, it's like, okay, I'm just getting this out and this is how I feel, blah, blah, blah. But then when you put it, when I put it together in the books, I kind of wanted to map it out. Like, all right, because, you know, the shadow and the persona are parts of me, 
their their characters. They're Joe Doe and Adasta Shillelagh. Those are two characters in my mythos, hmm. but they're part they're parts of me. They're, hmm. they're characters I've played on stage, and you know people who know me personally could probably know the sides of me that they are. You know what I mean? Hmm. But when I put them in these books, I'm hoping other people can be like, wow, you know, this this character has been through a lot, and I can relate. Whether that character is me, the self, or or the other sides of me, mm-hmm. which now mm-hmm. I sound like I have uh, multiple personality disorder, and you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe. No, I don't think so at all. I think it sounds like you you found a an, a most excellent way to do some self exploration, and you're relating it to people the best way that you can. And right. you know that, and that says a lot. That that's that's beautiful, man. And uh, it, it's mad props to you, because I, you know, as, as somebody who just writes uh, thriller fiction, I sit here and I'm just thinking like, well, what's going to happen next? And you know, it's like, all right, yeah, I'll go with that. I I don't think I could write poetry in that way. I I just I don't think it's within me right now. I mean, I don't know. Then again, we were talking about it earlier. You know, never say no. We're not. We're never too old to learn something. So we'll see what right, happens. Right, right, And also, on the other <laughs> hand, you never know who's reading your, you know, thriller book, whatever, and getting something out of it that you didn't even know. You know what I mean? That's true. I, I mean, another one of my poems in this book is called "You Created a Horror Lover," and it's basically about, you know, I grew up on. I I call it the golden era, the late seventies to early nineties. That's I call that the golden era of horror movies. <laughs> That's what I grew up on. And, you know, those movies got me through a lot of shit. And, you know, you look back on them now and they just seem like cheesy slashers, Freddy and Jason and all that to some people, whatever. But I'll break it down, man. We can sit down with a couple beers and I will, t- <laughs> I will philosophically break down those movies and what they all mean and, and specifically what it meant to a, a young kid who felt like, Every, you know, like he couldn't get anywhere in the world and watching all those final girls make it through to the end and conquer the boogeyman. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep. You know, they're just, okay, they're cool, great slasher movies and they have mad sequels because there's a formula that works. True. But to some people, it's it means the world <laughs> that yeah. that formula works. So, you know, it goes, it goes both ways. I don't yeah. take anything for granted. Mm-hmm. I don't ever... I hope I never, you know, I like to explain the the thinking that goes behind my poetry and the symbolism in it and all that. But at the same time, I don't ever think like that's better or more effective than another kind of writing or any entertainment for that matter. I think art has a place in somebody's heart. And the thing is just to get it out to those people. Oh, man. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I'm. I'm not as old as uh, Armand and Chuck. You know, those guys are ancient. But, <laughs> but I've got you I've got you by a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> love, love you guys. You know, love you, Armand. I love you, Chuck. <laughs> so in case you hear this. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but, no, I've, I've got you by a few years. And, yeah, I remember growing up and, I mean, all those movies. And I'm sure, you know, Carpenter and all those guys, they never considered that they were making classics, you know, what they're how they're considered today. But, yeah, I mean, it's you never know what you're going to do that may touch somebody else. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, there could be the whole book of poems or it could be just one poem within there that 
is going right. to touch touch somebody's life. And uh, I, could I be really just hope so. Line, man. It could be just a sentence, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. That's what's, that's what's really powerful about it, you know? We get really caught up sometimes in all the marketing and, you know, just stuff like that. And, but that's how I, that's how I, I bring that um, from my experience in the music industry. It's like, I never tried to make pop music, you know, I never, I was into rap, but I wasn't into commercial rap whatsoever. I was always into the more underground stuff. Mm. It's just my style. And I always thought that I was like, I know a lot of people aren't going to get this, but if there's one person out there and it's happened to me a few times, you know, somebody has been like, dude, that song, that one song, Cemetery Flowers, that opened my mind man. that changed my life. And that was worth all the years of what I perceived at the time to be failures or, you know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. coming short of the mark I was trying to hit, whatever. And I, I take that same mind state to writing now. I'm like, you know, if I can get something out there, if I can get a book out there, it doesn't have to be a big seller. It doesn't, people don't have to be reviewing it and talking about it on social media. But if one, when, when that one person comes to me and says that poem or that line or that whole book or whatever it is, I feel that. And my job's done. I'm good. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I, I know you've got a few poems that you've sold so far this year. What uh, what else you got coming out th- uh, this year? Um, well, I'm working on the complete trilogy of my masks trilogy. So it'll be all of them in one thing, and I have some bonus material. I'm hoping to get that and the album for self done and, and released Hoping to have all that done by September. Like I told you earlier, I'm taking a trip and I'm I'm cutting out of humanity for like a week or so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get everything ready before then. Um, after that, to be honest, it it's a it's kind of a crapshoot. <laughs> I'm working. I have a lot of projects on hand, but you know, going through my goals with the mono method and and looking at what I want to do versus what I have on deck, it's weird. I have a whole I have a whole nother chat book of poems that I didn't expect to have. <laughs> and I have a, a collection of short stories that is not quite as far as I wanted it to be. And I also have a novella that's totally written, but I need to go through it and edit that. Um, that's something I want to shop to, and you know, I'm hoping to start shopping small publishers with that one. Mm-hmm. So these are, these are all things. And also in order to hit my goal, I have to get two more, uh, acceptances of the submissions I'm sending out. So <laughs> let's see. I got last year, I got three anthology acceptances. So this year so far, I got two magazine acceptances. So I have to get two more to hit my goal and to beat last year. So that's what I'm shooting for. Outstanding. Outstanding, man. Where can, uh, where can people find you? Where can they follow you? Oh man. Twitter is probably where I'm most active. Um, it's, I'm at JVB Psychofunk, which is S-Y-K-O-P-H-U-N-K. I know I shouldn't have spelled it that way, but I did. <laughs> uh, and pretty much all other social media. I think I finally did that thing where you like brand yourself across the same way. <laughs> For a long yeah. time, I had the names everywhere. <laughs> so yeah, Facebook, uh, Instagram, it's JVB Psychofunk. Of course, josephvanburen.com. You can get on my mailing list there. I do send that out, I don't know, twice a month. I try not to bother people too much. And I have a WordPress blog. 
Goodreads, of course. I do have a YouTube channel. I would love to get more active, but it's not too active. But the thing is, I have like a decade and a half of music videos and stuff on there. So there's still a lot of cool stuff to find there, too. Psychofunk. Nice. So that's where I'm at. And we'll have links to all of that in the show notes, everybody, so that way after you hear this episode, you can just click on there, go to any of those. And I know from going to his, his website, too, you got links in there as well. So once you go to one, you're going to find everything else, too. So, of course, get on over to Amazon and pick up some of these books. They are on KU as well, I see. So everybody can yep. just try it out and see what you think. And, man, JVB, thank you so much, man. I really, really appreciate you coming on, and this has been a blast, man. I, I feel really enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Thank you, man. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I really appreciate what you do, man, supporting all the indie authors. It's awesome. Uh, it's my pleasure, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, all right, like I said, we have a treat for you today because it's uh, you know you're used to hearing the sample chapter. What you're going to experience this time is you're going to experience the full multimedia storyteller himself. Ladies and gentlemen, JVB, Joseph Van Buren with a multimedia experience with Mask Book 3, Self. Poems from Mask Self by Joseph Van Buren. You have created a horror lover. You have created a horror lover. Spawned from the Hudson Valley, New York's ghost central, America's most haunted, from native curses to Dutch imps to revolutionary war spirits to Ichabod, everybody knows the name Crane. The childhood brush with death, blood of strangers resurrecting my breath, and that's cool. I'll just chill here with all the other spirits. The pain felt firsthand and backhand. No fear of the creature living under my bed when my mother has a monster in hers and a hundred more dwelling inside my head. Bullies at school can't scare me. The abandoned asylums and mortuaries. Hide and seek in cemeteries. Exploring dark woods and dark rooms in the dark corners of my mind, no matter the shadows I find because of the shadows I find. The trauma of being a teenager, sinking in self-harm, drowning in depression, escape only found in that magic elixir and in its absence, anxiety, worthless waste. The recently archived reruns, starring a nomadic addict, a troubled troubadour, a hopelessly outnumbered demon hunter who lost his way in the haze just to wake up one night in the back of an ambulance realizing how uncommon second chances are, let alone third. Now it's time to return to my roots, to the darkness I call truth, to the past lessons learned and the future blessings earned. The facing of my fears like when Nancy told Freddy he's nothing but shit. The use of my survival skills just as Jason's final prey never seems to quit. The embrace of balance between pain and pleasure as if a Cenobite and Hellraiser unlocked the mind's greatest treasure. You, you crazy, shadowy, cannibalistic bearer of knowledge and wisdom, you have created a horror lover. Don't. 
Don't bother dreaming about leaving this neighborhood because there's nothing for you outside of these few streets. And don't talk to strangers when you walk home from school because they're probably creeps with AIDS. And don't complain about walking to the store because we need milk. And don't walk down Main Street after dark because it's nothing but junkies on one side and hookers on the other. Don't ask for anything in the store because we probably can't buy it with food stamps. And don't leave your food on the plate because there are starving kids in China. And don't come back for seconds because those are leftovers for tomorrow. Don't worry about what the kid in your class has because his family are a bunch of snobs anyway. And don't bother making friends at this school either because we won't be here long. And don't ask who the landlord is and why we were always avoiding him because that is adult business. Don't listen to that rap crap because you shouldn't hear that stuff. And don't watch this part of the movie because you shouldn't see that stuff. And don't play Dungeons and Dragons because it's satanic. And don't bother learning how to play that keyboard because it's just a toy and not a real instrument. And don't play that damn heavy metal so loud because it's just noise and not real music. And don't come out of your room until tomorrow because you were grounded. And don't, I repeat, do not hide a pen and notebook under your bed so that you can still write while you're grounded because you're just wasting your time with your stupid stories anyway. Fish out of water. Shredded fish flesh falls on my mother's shoulder. Shrapnel from her husband's firecracker experiment. The victim reeled in from the Hudson. Worse things have happened by the river, but none of them before my eyes, squinting from the sun or from the stupidity. My mother freaks and screams, glares at the laugh and leviathan as if contemplating murder. I wish she would. This is the moment, as it rains gills and singed guts by the water, hospital waste green, sulfuric tuna and beer-battered breath. I should realize that his sadistic addiction to inflicting pain has been washed up from the torrents of his own tortured past. But I have only lived nine years, half of that time spent hating him. Whatever a suicide bomber is, I am praying for one. Rip him from our home and stuff his mouth with a bomb and light that long fuse and listen to that hiss as the flame slowly crawls towards his face and after the loudest boom ever, my mother's cries become whispers, then silence. I return to the current so I can breathe again. The water is still riddled with ripples. Battle scars. My battle scars are the road map to my past and all the shattered stars are the cold cracks in the glass as if I had a jar to contain the pain instead it stains the brain and leaves me feeling insane memories they are the fuel to my fire and this is therapy what can I do but desire another remedy I'm self-medicated and jaded don't want to be faded my goal is stated but I'm still underrated I hate it it's critical so many wounds both emotional and physical so many times i thought that's all she wrote it's typical because it was a manic depressive but these days the way i contain my panics impressive anxiety mostly due from living in a crazy ass society mostly true but the prince inside give me that sobriety i still battle demons they're kicking and screaming while i'm awake or dreaming they might be the reason life has meaning I use this energy to light my torch and step on the battlefield so I can smite this force. Fight fire with fire and I ignite the source. But if I'm too close to my own flames, I might get scorched. And these battle scars constantly tell the story of all my history from the gory to the glory. As the world burns, 
As the world burns, we struggle to benefit in the short term. The media and corporations sell us their scares. We try to purchase futures, but we don't even care about the life that connects one soul to the next. We're all children of the earth we're supposed to protect, and yet our intellect seemed to evolve for self-profit. Digging a cosmic grave with no signs of stopping. Governments, yeah, they fund industry and war, but without an atmosphere, we work and fight no more. We all die and decompose deep in the earth, becoming fossil fuels for humanity's rebirth or whatever comes along in a billion years mother nature she's crying out a billion tears we have a billion fears too much anxiety reflections of what we choose as priority and we will suffocate in the ashes of all we have earned as the world burns the greatest poem ever is not the one I am reading, is not one that you have already read or studied, is not one you already love or loathe, but has been written by someone who is too self-conscious to show it to anyone else, by someone who believes the nasty things others have said, by someone who hides in the thick shadows cast by a broken past, by someone who has been silenced by the system. By someone who has been blinded by the pain. By someone whose self-esteem is buried in trauma. By someone whose self-destruction could give birth to a revolution. By someone who could mend the world but cannot fix the self. By someone who is the universe but is invisible. Oh my gosh, what did I tell you? That was Joseph Van Buren with some hip-hop horror poetry from his latest mask book, Self. Oh my gosh, it was incredible. I loved it. Once again, goosebumps. Dude, I don't know how you do it, JVB, but that was incredible. Hey, make sure you click the links in the show notes to find out more about Joseph Van Buren, our sponsors, and friends of the show. And of course, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. So that way next week you don't miss out when we come back with another author, another book, and another sample chapter. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again real soon.